For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The 7,000-Year Plan of God. This is part one of the series. This session, we are going to be doing a teaching on the 7,000-year plan of the God of Israel. What we're going to learn is that from the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to the end of the Messianic era is 7,000 years of time. And we need to understand the 7,000 years of time in order to understand the language and the terminology that the prophets of Israel use when they are speaking about the end of days because they use the term the day of Yahweh or the day of the Lord and that term has to be understood in the context of understanding the 7,000 year plan of the God of Israel because each day in creation represents a thousand years of time the seventh day of creation that is the Sabbath foreshadows the last 1,000 years of the 7,000 years of time which the prophets use the day of Yahweh we also need to understand another very important and significant biblical principle and that is the God of Israel has already told us about the end of days in the beginning of time we can see this principle from Isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 through 11 as it is written remember the former things of old for I am God and there is none else I am God and there is none like me declaring the end that is the end of day from the beginning. This word beginning in Hebrew is reshit, from which we get the term for the book of Genesis, bereshit, which means in the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times he has declared the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel will stand. What is his counsel? That he is able to declare the end from the beginning. And I will do all my pleasure, that which he has declared from the beginning. I have spoken it when in the beginning. I will also bring it to pass when in the end of days. I have purposed it. He's planned it 
why he created the world. I will also do it. We can see this principle as well in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 as it is written. The thing that has been, that is history, is that which shall be, that is future or prophecy. And that which is done, the things that are happening in our world today, is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15 it is written. That which has been, that is history, is now and that which is to be that is future has already been and God requires that which is past in order to understand how it is so that the God of Israel declared the end from the beginning we can learn of this principle and its application by applying the seven days of creation which represents each day a thousand years of time in Psalm chapter 9 verse 4 it is written for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night this is quoted in 2nd Peter chapter 3 verse 8 as it is written but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with Yahweh as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day in his commentary on the Torah to the book of Genesis Moses Nachman or the Ramban on page 61 comment about this verse in Psalm chapter 90 verse 4 linking it and relating it to the seven days of creation by saying the following the six days of creation represent all the days of the world that is its existence will be 6,000 years of time for this reason the rabbis have said quoting Psalm chapter 90 verse 4 the day of the Holy One, blessed be He, is 1,000 years of time. Regarding the sixth day, Moses Nachmanides writes in the commentary on the Torah to the book of Genesis on page 63, God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, cattle and creeping thing, and the beast of the earth after its kind. All this is an indication of the sixth thousand year period in the beginning in which the beast symbolizing the kingdoms that would rule in the earth who would not know and acknowledge the God of Israel and then ultimately the Redeemer the Messiah will come as it is said concerning him and his throne is as the sun before me. This is the son of David who was formed in the image of God as it is written and behold there came with the clouds of heaven one like unto a son of man and he came even to the ancient of days and he was brought near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom the seventh day which is the Sabbath alludes to the world to come which will be holy a Sabbath and will bring rest for life everlasting we can also see this principle that one day is likened unto a thousand years and 
and that there are six days to the present world and then 1,000 years to the Messianic era and the extra biblical book of Barnabas and you can find this extra biblical book in the lost books of the Bible. In Barnabas chapter 13 verses 3 through 6 it is written and even in the beginning of the creation he makes mention of the Sabbath and God made in six days the works of his hands and he finished them on the seventh day and he rested the seventh day and sanctified it. Consider my children what this signifies. He finished them in six days. The meaning of it is this, that in 6,000 years the Lord God will bring all things to an end. For with him one day is as a thousand years. Quoting and referring to Psalm chapter 90 verse 4. As he himself testifies saying, Behold this day shall be a thousand years. Therefore children in six days, that is 6,000 years shall all things be accomplished. And what is it that he says and he rested on the seventh day? He means this, that when his son, that is the Messiah, will come and abolish the season of the wicked one and judge the ungodly and shall change the sun and the moon and the stars, then he shall gloriously rest in that seventh day. In the Talmud in Sanhedrin 97a, Rabbi Katina said, 6,000 years shall the world exist in 1,000, that is the seventh, it shall be desolate as it is written, and Yahweh alone shall be exalted in that day. Quoting from Isaiah chapter 2 in verse 11. Furthermore, in Sanhedrin 97a, it is written, the Tana Debi Eliyahu teaches, the world is to exist 6,000 years. In the first 2,000, there was desolation. 2,000 years, the Torah flourished, and the next 2,000 years is the Messianic era. Looking at this in chart form, we have the traditional understanding of how the God of Israel laid out time. The first 2,000 years is known as Tohu, or desolation. The next 2,000 years as Torah. The next 2,000 years is the days of the Messiah, because it's a Jewish understanding that the Messiah should have, and we know he did, come after 4,000 years of time, and so therefore that would usher in the days of the Messiah, and then the last 1,000 years is known as the Atid Lavo, or the future coming. We refer to it as the Messianic era. What then is the current biblical year that we are in from the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? I'm going to read to you from the book, The Gate of the Seasons, The Guide to the Jewish Year by the Central Conference of American Rabbis, which is a Reform Jewish entity. On page 9 of the book is this explanation. The Jewish tradition of counting years since the creation of the world has its roots in early Talmudic times, but it was not adopted authoritatively until several centuries later. In biblical times, dates were referred to as being two years before the earthquake, or the year of the death of King Uzziah, etc. In Talmudic times, we find instances of dating from the creation of the world, but this was adopted as the Jewish method only much later as a response to Christian dating. It was in the 8th century that Christians began to date their documents generally as A.D., or the Latin is Anno Domini, or the year of our Lord. And so it is hardly a coincidence that in the same time, that is in the 8th and 9th centuries, we find more and more Jewish documents dated, quote-unquote, since the creation of the world, sometimes referred to as A.M. or Anno 
Monday, the year of the world. To Jews, obviously, calculating date based upon Christian theological principles was not acceptable to Jews. Nevertheless, it was not until the 12th century that dating, quote-unquote, since the creation of the world, was accepted by Jews universally. Only a minority of Jews today, that would be Orthodox Jews, would take the traditional Jewish date as being literally since the creation of the world. So therefore, in traditional Jewish dating, we are in the year right now of 57 something or other. And so therefore, we are several hundred years from 6,000 years. However, there are other sources that indicate that when ultimately this was adopted by the Jewish world of dating time, since the creation of the world, there is a book written by George Footmore, Judaism in the First Century Christian Era, where he mentions that in going back and calculating the time, that there was a period of the kings in Persian rule wherein they missed counting time. And it's estimated that they missed about 200 to 250 years in going back and doing that. And actually, I believe the amount of time that is mentioned that was missed was 240 years. So therefore, if that is the case, in truth, we are actually real close to the year 6,000 right now, rather than 57 something or other, or what is stated as time since the creation of the world by traditional Jewish dating. If we look at Genesis in chapter 1 and verse 1, which in English is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but in Hebrew it's Breshit bara Elohim et Hashemayim ve'et Ha'aretz. If we look at this verse in the Hebrew, we will discover that there are six occurrences of the Hebrew letter Aleph in this verse. This verse consists of seven Hebrew words. The first word is Breshit, the second word is bara, the third word is Elohim, the fourth word is Et, the fifth word is Hashemayim, the sixth word is Va'et, and the seventh word is Ha'aret. So, therefore, on a deeper level, one might say that these seven Hebrew letters each represent a thousand years. And the six Alas represents something contained within the first 7,000 years of time. Well, what is the meaning and the significance of the Hebrew letter, the Aleph itself? In the book, The Wisdom in the Hebrew Alphabet by Rabbi Monk, on page 43, he explains that the Hebrew letter Aleph represents the God of Israel himself. It symbolizes the God of Israel's oneness and mastery. He writes, The Aleph symbolizes the one and only, the internal, the omnipotent God. The graphic form of the Aleph symbolizes the infinite, eternal nature of the God of Israel. It consists of three parts. Its upper right segment looks and resembles the Hebrew letter Yod. Its lower left segment also looks like and represents a Hebrew letter Yod. And these two letters are connected by the diagonal, which looks like the Hebrew letter Vav. 
Each yod has a numerical value of 10, and the vav has a numerical value of 6, yielding a total of 26. Therefore, writing the aleph in graphic form, you can say that it resembles two yods and a vav whose numerical value in Hebrew is 26, which is the same numerical value of the tetragrammaton that is the name of the God of Israel in Hebrew, yod Hey vav Hey or Yahweh. Therefore, what we learn from this is that the Hebrew letter Aleph stands for and represents Yahweh or the God of Israel himself. The Aleph also represents divinity as is explained by Rabbi Monk in the Wisdom of the Hebrew Alphabet on page 45. And the Aleph represents Elohim, which is also the Hebrew name for the God of Israel, and it describes his attribute of judgment. Now, looking then more closely at these six Aleph's in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, understanding that the Aleph itself represents the God of Israel, you will see that the occurrence of the Aleph in the first word of Genesis 1-1, which is Breshit, it is the third letter of the word Breshit. The next word, Barah, the Aleph is also the third letter of this word. Therefore, from this, it is taught by Rabbi Daniel Lappin in his cassette teaching series, America's Biblical Blueprint, that the first 2,000 years of time, that would be Tohu, represents when man would be farthest from the God of Israel, representing the Aleph occurring in the third letter of each of these two words, the third letter representing something that is farther in the occurrence of these two words. Then, if we look at the next two Hebrew words, that is Elohim and Et, the Aleph is the first letter of Elohim and the first letter of Et. So this would represent 2,000 years of time known as Torah, when man would be closest to the God of Israel. And then, the last two occurrences of the Aleph in the Hebrew words Ze'et and Ha'aret, the Aleph is is the second occurrence in both of these words, and it represents the third 2,000 years of time, known as the days of Messiah, when there would be a conflict in the earth between those who want to serve the God of Israel and those who want to rebel against Him. And that's really the conflict that we are fighting in Western civilization. We have the people who believe in the, the God of Israel who wants the world to operate according to biblical principles and biblical values, and and there is a fight with secular humanist forces who do not want the God of Israel to be a part of society. This is the conflict of the end of days, and it's related to the tribulation period where we would have the God of Israel redeeming his people from the nations of the world and ending the exile, and the God of Israel performing this act would come against secular humanism and one world government who would seek to oppose it. And that ultimate conflict is what the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years, is about. And the God of Israel, through this conflict, is going to show that he is the king of the universe and he's going to fulfill his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's going to defeat the secular humanist forces who are likened unto those who built the Tower of Babel. In the Sanhedrin, in the Talmud, 97a and b, it is explained 
explained that it's a Jewish expectation that the Messiah will come after 4,000 years of time since the creation of Adam and Eve. It says, The Tani Debi Eliyahu teaches the world is to exist 6,000 years. In the first 2,000 years, there was desolation. 2,000 years, the Torah flourished. In the next 2,000 years is the Messianic era. And the comment to this is the Messiah will come within that period. But through our many iniquities, all these years have been lost. And the commentary in the Talmud says, Messiah should have come at the beginning of the last 2,000 years, but his delay is due to our sins. Well, we understand that Messiah did come at the beginning of those last 2,000 years. He was just not corporately recognized by the Jewish nation. Although we are told in the New Testament that the early believers, the first early believers, were Jews, and there were very many of the Jewish people that believed in Yeshua as Messiah in the first century. What is the significance of the Messiah coming after 4,000 years of time, which would place us back in what we call the first century? Well, there has never been a period in time where there was a greater expectancy by the Jewish people for the coming of the Messiah than what there was in the first century. And in an article in the Jewish press, and this newspaper comes out of Brooklyn, New York. It's an Orthodox Jewish weekly newspaper. In an article entitled The Coming of the Messiah, written by Rabbi Shalom Kloss, he explained that there was a high Jewish expectation in the first century for a personal Messiah. He writes, The belief in a personal Messiah reached its highest tension during that period of the first century when Rome sent her despotic procurators to rule over Judea. The yoke was most oppressive, and the Jews awaited a leader whom God would send to articulate their latent spirit of rebellion and free them from the Roman tyranny. Now let's look at biblical evidence that that there actually is 4,000 years from Adam to Yeshua. We are not going to try to explain it to the precise year. We just want to see that the thought is valid, that we can calculate and come to around 4,000 years from Adam. The way we do this is the following. We are told that from Adam to Seth, there was 130 years. This is found in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. From Seth to Enos, 105 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 6. From Enos to Canaan, 90 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 9. From Canaan to Mahalilel, 70 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 12. Mahalilel to Jared, 65 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 15. Jared to Enoch, 162 years, Genesis chapter chapter 5, verse 18. Enoch to Methuselah, 65 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Methuselah to Lamech, 187 years, Genesis chapter 5, verse 25. Lamech to Noah, 182 years, Genesis chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Noah to the flood, 600 years, Genesis chapter 7 and verse 6. The flood to Arphasad, 2 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 10. Arphasad to Salah, 35 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 12. Salah to Eber, 30 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 14. Eber to Peleg, 
34 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 16. Peleg to Ru, 30 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 18. Ru to Sarag, 32 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 20. Sarag to Nahor, 30 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 22. Nahor to Terah, 29 years, Genesis chapter 11, verse 24. And Terah to Abraham, 70 years, Genesis chapter 11 and verse 26. You add up those years from Adam to Abraham, you have 1,948 years. What's interesting about that duration of time is that in our calendar dating, this is the year that the modern state of Israel was born, in 1948. Next, we continue from Abraham to Isaac, 100 years, Genesis chapter 21, verse 5. Isaac to Jacob, 60 years, Genesis chapter 25, verse 26. And then Jacob from going into Egypt, 130 years, Genesis chapter 47, verse 28. Therefore, from Abraham to Egypt is 290 years. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, the 7,000-year plan of God. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.